Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com. It's Thursday, March 30th. This is The Gateway. I'm Wayne Pratt. A new baseball season begins today, and at least one Cardinals beat writer says the team has the potential for a deep playoff run. They're not the best team probably on paper in the National League. You'd probably say the Dodgers, San Diego, maybe Atlanta are better than them. But uh, as we saw last year, you get win a couple of games in the playoff series, anything can happen. We'll hear more about this year's edition of the Cardinals in just a few minutes. Two Republican state senators in Missouri are at odds over the defeat of legislation that would have banned so-called red flag laws. St. Louis Public Radio's Jason Rosenbaum has more on the war of words between Lincoln Huff and Bill Eigel. Huff joined with two other Democrats to defeat Eigel's bill in committee banning so-called red flag laws, which could disarm people who are a threat to themselves or others. I'm a little tired of doing these politically motivated, disingenuous nullification of things that we know are unconstitutional. They're tossed out in court. Eigel says Huff betrayed GOP voters who want to protect Second Amendment rights. I have a hesitancy about government and empowering them to that degree at the expense of the rights that I believe have been given to us by God. Huff and Eigel have been at odds for years. Eigel supported a candidate who unsuccessfully challenged Huff in last year's GOP primary. I'm Jason Rosenbaum, St. Louis Public Radio. Opponents of legislation targeting transgender youth have taken their cause directly to Missouri lawmakers. Several hundred rallied yesterday in Jefferson City, less than a week after the Missouri Senate passed legislation barring transgender minors from receiving gender-affirming health care. State Representative Ashley Bland-Banlove is calling on members of the transgender community and their supporters to also be proactive with elections. And it's great to be here in the hearings, and it's, it fills my heart with joy when I see y'all in the overflow room and the overflow room and the overflow room. Brings my heart to joy. But if you don't bring five people to the election poll with you on election day, you're being counterintuitive to yourself. The measure passed by the Senate last week still needs approval in the Missouri House. Also out of Jefferson City, a bill that would allow students to enroll outside their school district has reached the state Senate. Jody Fortino reports. The bill approved by the Missouri House earlier this month would allow up to 3% of a school population to transfer out. Critics are concerned that could defund already struggling districts. State Representative Brad Pollitt is a Republican from Sedalia. He says the bill would let taxpayers decide how they want their school district to look. The taxpayers of that district have that power in this bill. And if every year 3% of those folks want to leave a district, then um, why are we holding them captive in that district? If the bill passes, transfers will begin in the 2024-2025 school year. I'm Jody Fortino. St. Louis voters go to the polls Tuesday to elect a board of aldermen. Two races feature incumbents running against each other because of redistricting. Pam Boyd and Norma Walker are competing in the new 14th Ward, that's in northwest St. Louis. Joe Ficaro and Brett Narayan face each other in the new 4th Ward, which includes Dogtown, Lindenwood Park, and Southampton. Outgoing 8th Ward Alderwoman Annie Rice is watching that race closely. There are decisions that both of them have made that I disagreed with, and we've we've kind of had it out on that, um, but I respect their decisions to represent their communities in the way that they have, um, and there has to be room for that. 
Early voting is underway. The polls open on Election Day at 6 in the morning. Illinois' so-called Rainy Day Fund now totals more than $1 billion. That's after the Comptroller's latest infusion. Alex Degman reports. Susanna Mendoza announced that another $150 million is going to the Budget Stabilization Fund. That puts its new total at around $1.2 billion, which is the highest ever. At least three more transfers are planned before the end of this fiscal year in June. Bolstering the fund has been one of Mendoza's top priorities. She hopes putting money away will become second nature. It should be a habit that the first thing we do with increased revenues is pay down our debts and save for a rainy day. The fund reached a low of $48,000 in April 2018. To help prevent that in the future, Mendoza is backing bipartisan legislation that would require automatic transfers into the fund when the budget allows. I'm Alex Dagman. The Cardinals open the season today at Bush Stadium against Toronto. The ball club starts a new year after being eliminated in the first round of the playoffs last fall. St. Louis SportsPage.com Cardinals beat writer Rob Raines says fans should be upbeat about the new season, especially with the team's young talent. Obviously, a lot of time in spring training was spent talking about Jordan Walker, the 20-year-old prospect who will start on opening day, the youngest player in, what, 23 years to start on opening day for the Cardinals. And not only him, I mean, you've got Nolan Gorman, you've got some of the other young players who I think are coming into their own. You've got hopefully have a healthy Jack Flaherty. You know, I think the only disappointment really at spring training was that Adam Wainwright's going to start the year on the injury list and won't be able to pitch on opening day. But other than that, I think it was a very good spring training. I think there's a lot of reasons for Cardinals fans to be excited. You mentioned Jordan Walker. How much of a surprise is it that he's on that opening day roster? You know, not really much of a surprise. We knew coming into spring training he was going to have a chance to play, and he made the most of it. He's as good a Cardinal hitting prospects as they've had in a number of years. They really kind of thought that he would seize the opportunity and run with it, and he did that. I think it probably would have been a bigger surprise to them had he not played well in spring training and uh, that they had to send him back out to Memphis to start the season. This season's opening with some rule changes. Uh, the pitch clock, how does that work, and, and what was the reaction you could tell when you were in Florida? Everybody loves it. I mean, I think you know if you can shave off 10 or 15 minutes, I don't think you're going to get quite as much uh, time saved during the regular season as you did in spring training because of a couple of reasons. One, you're going to have more in, in-game pitching changes, like in the middle of an inning that's going to take time. And I think you're going to have, obviously, the instant replays from a lot of games that's going to take take some time. But if they can save you know 15 minutes or so off a, a three-hour game time and get them done in 240 or 245, I think that's a, a plus. I think it keeps everybody sharper. I think it keeps fans' attention focused. You know, a, a pitcher now has you know a certain number of – 15 seconds to throw a pitch if there's nobody on base, 20 seconds to throw a pitch if, if there's a runner on base. And the hitter has to be in the box ready to bat with eight seconds left on the pitch clock where it's a violation. If, the hitter, if it's a violation on the hitter, it's an automatic strike. If it's a violation on the pitcher, it's an automatic ball. On top of the pitch clock, the biggest restriction now is a pitcher can only throw over two times while runner is on base during a particular at bat. So that's going to change. You know, you're not going to have some of those eight or 10 pickoff throws every time a guy's on base. So uh, the whole intent is to make the game move faster. How is the uncertainty over the team's bankrupt TV broadcaster, Bally Sports, going to affect the team, or is it already hanging over the team? How do you assess that? I don't think it hangs over the team itself on the field. I think the front office and the the financial people that have to deal with budgets are probably more concerned about it than the the players or the on-field personnel at this point. But I think it is a concern going forward because Diamond Sports, which is the owner of Bally's and all the regional sports networks, 
uh, has a lot of money that they have to pay the Cardinals every year in, in rights fees under this new you know, broadcast agreement they signed a couple of years ago. So if they're not able to make those payments and that's revenue that the Cardinals have counted on as far as, you know, setting their operating budget and, and things like that, that they're going to have to find a way to, to off, offset that. That's a concern that they're going to have to deal with from a fan standpoint, watching the games. I think that's what everybody worried about is how am I going to get to watch the games? And I don't, I don't think we know the answer to that yet. I mean, as of now, they're operating under the bankruptcy protection that they can, you know, still reorganize and, and keep things going the way they are. How long that will go on, I don't know. Cardinals are not going to let a situation develop where the fans are not going to be able to watch the games. Whether it's they have to take over the rights for themselves and produce and disseminate the games in some fashion, that's what will happen because they're not going to have a situation go where their games are not going to be available to the fans. I just don't know how that access is going to work. Specifically, from your standpoint, what are you expecting from the team this season? I think they should win the division, and I don't know that it will really be close because I think they're better than anybody else by far, especially if they stay healthy and they get the performances out of the younger players that they expect. If their pitching is good enough, if, if Larry and Michaelis and, and Montgomery and Matt's, Matt's had a great spring. So, you know, they're excited about his potential during the season. But those guys are healthy. The bullpen's healthy. The young guys do what they're capable of doing. I, I think they can make a run in October. I, I really do. It's always it's always an unknown. You never know. But um, they're not the best team probably on paper in the National League. You probably say the Dodgers, San Diego, maybe Atlanta are better than them. But uh, as we saw last year, you get win a couple of games in the playoff series, and anything can happen. That's STLSportsPage.com Cardinals beat writer Rob Raines talking about the new baseball season, which begins today at Bush Stadium. Ashley Listenby is the news director of St. Louis Public Radio, a listener-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. I'm Wayne Pratt. Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house.